Let's pray. Lord, as we come as your church to study your word today, to listen to your word, we ask you that you would bless your word, Lord. Bless it to our hearts, Lord. Make it uh, fruitful. Lord, help us to absorb it and help us to grow by it, Lord, and produce by it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, both the gospel passage from Matthew and the passage that we read from Acts today deal with two different people groups. The passage from Matthew deals only with Jews. Both of the groups it deals with are Jews, religious Jews and non-practicing Jews. The passage from Acts deals with Jews and Gentiles. In the Matthew passage, the Jewish groups compared our religious Jews who are priests and Pharisees, and the other group is Jewish tax collectors and prostitutes, who are not religious, of course. In the parable that Jesus tells, he puts both the religious and non-religious Jews in the same category as sons of God. Both were assigned work in the vineyard by the father, but neither son wanted to do the work that the father asked him to do. The first refused and the second said he will go and work at first, but then he never ended up going. However, the first one who refused to work at first felt bad about his refusal and ended up going and doing the work that his father told him to do in the vineyard. And Jesus asked the chief priests and elders, which of the two did the will of his father? And they replied correctly that it was the first one who refused at first but then regretted it and went. And Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So it seems that what Jesus was saying there was that even though the tax collectors and prostitutes were not following God's laws at first, after hearing John, John the Baptist, after hearing John preaching that, They were convicted and they regretted that. They repented and because of that, they were better off than the chief priests and the elders of Israel who signed up to work for God, but ended up not doing so. The repentant sinners were better off because they did. 
And the chief priests and elders of Israel actually saw the fruit of John's ministry. They saw the conversion of the tax collectors and prostitutes to righteousness who had repented and were baptized by John. And still the chief priests and the elders would not acknowledge that John's ministry was from God. And they didn't join in in that repentance and that ministry. Now from the reading of Acts, from the reading in Acts, as I said earlier, that deals with Jews and Gentiles, not two groups of Jews like the one we just read. And God's dealings with Jews and Gentiles is what we have been going over uh, lately, reading the latter chapters of Paul's letters to the Romans uh, the past few weeks. Remember from last week, uh, those covenantal promises to the people of Israel and the covenantal relationship between God and his people. God was their God. They were God's people. Remember that all of Israel's males had distinguished themselves from other nations by the covenantal act of circumcision and by observing the Torah. They were God's people and they were in the land that God had promised to them through their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know that they had God's law and the prophets, but they also made their own laws. And those laws were sometimes even more strict than, and more detailed than what God had given them. And because of all that, God's people Israel had a deep sense of communal identity, a sense of being special, and they were and are special. They had a covenantal relationship with God and a religious and cultural system. And that system was a system of clean and unclean, sacred and common, holy and unholy. And included objects and creatures and people. And unclean people were uncircumcised peoples. And they were also Israelites who had come into contact with anything classified unclean until they were cer ceremonially made clean again. So Israelites were covenantially and ceremonially clean because of the covenant that they had with God that included circumcision and they're following the law and sacrifices. But unbeknownst to them, as we learned from the New Testament, their laws and their sacrifice had all pointed ahead to Jesus, to his perfection and to his permanent sacrifice for everyone's sin. That was not only for Israel's sin and every individual in Israel, but also for the sin of the whole world. Well, it seems strange to me that after Jesus' death and resurrection, he didn't tell his disciples that the distinction between Jews and Gentiles was over and done with, especially uh, when he expounded to them from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, and he opened their minds to understand scriptures. 
those passages both come from Luke 24, um, it was strange to me that he didn't tell them that then. Because as we read of Jesus in Ephesians, we know he himself is our peace, as it says in Ephesians 2, 14 to 16, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. Jesus didn't reveal that to his disciples right after his resurrection. For some reason, he waited for what was recorded in Acts chapter 10 and 11, uh, the passage that we, we read with uh, Peter and Cornelius. He waited for that time to reveal it through the Holy Spirit. And because the laws and ordinances of separation were so ingrained in the Jewish people's uh, psyche at this time, the debate over that didn't uh, end with Peter's defense uh, to the Jewish Christians here. It carried on throughout the book of Acts and through Paul's missions and Paul's letters. And I suppose that if it hadn't uh, come through Peter first in that experience that he had with Cornelius, it might have been rejected altogether. So strong were the voices against unification with the circumcised and the uncircumcised, uh, the Gentile Christians. In Peter's vision, recorded in Acts, what he had considered unclean creatures before by God's own ordinances were, were let down from heaven. And now, of course, uh, they could not have been in heaven in the first place unless God had cleaned them and made them holy, for that's a holy place. And the Lord told Peter in the vision to kill and eat those creatures. But Peter replied, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. So, so think, if you will, how strong Peter's commitment to those uh, dietary laws and ordinances had been. And remember that Peter had not been a particularly religious man himself. He wasn't a scribe or a priest or a Pharisee. Peter was a common fisherman, and still he had never broken one of those dietary laws his whole lifetime before, before now. And after his objection, the voice answered Peter, saying, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. We read that that was done three times and all were drawn up again to heaven. Then that very moment, something else happened. Three men stood before the house where Peter was, who had been sent for him from Caesarea. Verse 12 says, Then the Spirit told Peter to go with them, doubting nothing. So now many of us uh, might have trouble Today, hearing or discerning the voice of the Holy Spirit, but Peter, remember, he 
had not, uh, he did not have this trouble. Uh, from the day of Pentecost on, the early church had been led by the Holy Spirit, and Peter was the main person that the Spirit spoke through. And, uh, and Peter obeyed his voice. I'm not sure exactly why we have so much trouble today as a church. Maybe it's because of our separation into many different groups and denominations and uh, some denying the, the power of the Holy Spirit to his church today. But uh, whatever reason, um, it's not the same as it was uh, for Peter and the early church. So Peter obeyed the voice of the Spirit and went to Cornelius's house in Caesarea. And we know from Acts 10 that Cornelius was a special Gentile. He wasn't just a run-of-the-mill Gentile. Um, though he was a Roman centurion, he was also a very devout man who feared God and gave money to the Jewish people, alms for the poor people. And he also prayed to God continually. He prayed to their God. And Peter was told by Cornelius when he arrived there how it all transpired. Cornelius had, had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname, whose surname is Peter who will tell you the words by which you and your household will be saved. So that was obviously a divine miracle. How else could he have known that a man named Simon, surnamed Peter, would have been there just then at that time? And add to that what happened on Peter's side, and it's even more remarkable. Then Acts tells us, as Peter talked with Cornelius and entered his house, he found many people assembled. So Peter no doubt was taken aback by that and was uh, that that was quite a public gathering, especially because he was a Jew among Gentiles. And remember, that was not accepted in his circles, not even in his Christian, Jewish Christian circles. He could be shunned from his community and uh, even more uh, than he was already. He could be shunned like a tax collector or a prostitute as unclean. Nevertheless, Peter was obedient to the Lord. And in verse 28, he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or, visit, or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Well, that's how Peter interpreted the vision that he had had, that God was telling him not to consider anyone unholy or unclean. Peter went on, that is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So Peter seems to be justifying his action and, uh, and remember he's doing it also in front of some fellow Jews that he had brought along with him because he knows that uh, this will get back to the other Jews uh, regardless and he, he wants everyone to know the whole story. 
But think about the statement that Peter had made there. God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Well, how was that? That was through the vision that Peter had seen. But unbeknownst to Peter as yet, that was because Jesus was the cleansing sacrifice for everyone, for Jew and Gentile alike. Peter did not realize the full implications of that yet, but he's God's working on him. And it took Paul, of course, to bring all of it out in in, in his, on his mission and in the, his epistles. But to Peter's credit, he was never, nevertheless obedient to God's voice. And Peter went on, so I ask for what reason you have sent for me? And Cornelius told him uh, the reason, told him the whole story about the vision, the angel who, who told uh, him to send for Peter and the words by which his household would be, uh, to tell him the words by which his household would be saved. And then Cornelius invited Peter to speak, saying this, Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So talk about an open door. When God arranges an open door, the gospel is easy to share. And opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Well, isn't that wonderful news? Now, what is it to fear God, to fear the Lord, and to do what is right? Well, it's to respect God by, first of all, by giving thanks to him and worshiping him. And it is to obey him because he is God and he can do whatever he wishes with you. He deserves our respect and our fear. And God welcomes those people who fear him like Cornelius. And then Peter shared the words of the gospel by which believing these Gentiles were saved. He said in verse 36, the word which he, meaning God, sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism, which John proclaimed. So those events that Peter's referring to uh, had been colossal. They had reverber reverberated throughout the whole region so that even, even Gentiles uh, had heard about John the Baptist and about Jesus and all, and all he's, he did. Everyone in Palestine would have, uh, would have known and would have been talking about uh, um, John and both John and Jesus and all of them would have had their opinions about them. Well, Peter went on, you know of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Verse 39, we are witnesses of all the things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. 
they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. So, so maybe they hadn't known that yet. I don't know. Um, God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Then Peter shares the, the rest of the gospel, the, 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 the part that they had been waiting for. Verse uh, 42. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is, is not just the judge of Israel, he's the judge of everyone, the living and the dead. And through his name, everyone, again, not just Israel, everyone who believes in him, Jew and Gentile, receives forgiveness of sins. He is the judge and in his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. So how do we get to use um, Jesus's name for forgiveness? By believing in him, we got that, that right, the right to be children of God. And last week I talked about um, that promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that in their seed, all the nations and families of the earth shall be blessed. And, and we looked at the fact that Jesus was that seed. So, so this is how we, we are blessed through Jesus, by believing on him, by believing in his sacrifice for our sins, we are blessed eternally for, with forgiveness. So that part of the gospel, Cornelius definitely hadn't heard before, and that's why um, God uh, sent him for Peter, that uh, because Peter was left with that mission to, to witness that point to, to peoples. And he, he might've thought it was just Israel before that, but it was not, it was to all peoples that he was to, to share this with. And hearing that, Cornelius and his whole household believed and were saved. Then in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who, had came, who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. So that was the same as what happened to them at Pentecost. And then Peter answered, verse 47, surely no one can ref refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? 
and he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So those people entered the new covenant, which was for everyone, Jew and Gentile, right, right then. So as Peter began to tell Cornelius and the others uh, with Cornelius the, the gospel, they immediately believed and the Holy Spirit fell upon them as it did on Peter and the rest of uh, the Jewish disciples of, uh, of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. And that act of the Holy Spirit confirmed to Peter and to the other Jews with him that that salvation was for Gentiles too. And Peter recounting uh, that to the other Jewish Christians later on in his defense uh, said this, then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? In other words, again, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. They too were holy, and that was evident. The two God-fearing groups, Jews and Gentiles, had become one believing in Jesus Christ because the laws separating them had been abolished in Jesus and his perfection and his sacrifice. Now, the only two groups that exist are those who put their faith in Jesus and those who do not. Each of us will meet Jesus as judge someday, and that is what he will judge. Did you put your trust in me as Lord and Savior? or not. If not, well, we can't expect to enter his kingdom. Those who did not will be left out in the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friend, don't let that be you. You've been chosen by God, like Cornelius, to hear Peter's message. The message about Jesus and his salvation, his forgiveness of sins to those who put their trust in him as their Lord and their Savior. Friend, believe it. It's for you. And receive Jesus into your heart. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the mercy that you extended not only to your people, but to the whole world, Lord. We thank you that we could be a part of, uh, of this blessing, uh, the blessing that comes through your seed, uh, Jesus Christ. And we, we thank you that uh, we're included uh, when we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, and help us to, Lord, to appreciate it, Lord, to uh, thank you for that and to be um, really changed by that, uh, by allowing your Holy Spirit to, to work in our hearts so that we might follow you all our lives and speak uh, to others like Peter did about you without reservation. We ask this in Jesus' name.
Amen.